Welcome to Reimagine Insurance, a podcast that explores the critical issues facing global industry executives. I'm Kurt Strovink, and I lead McKinsey's global insurance practice. And joining me are senior partners Stefan Binder and Brad Mendelson, who lead the firm's work in insurance in Europe and in Asia, respectively. Today, we'll be discussing five topics for insurers as they position themselves for recovery and beyond. The first topic is how the pandemic has forced CEOs to evolve. I would say there's four shifts. First one I would describe as sort of aspire 10x higher. It's the idea that CEOs are pushing, I think appropriately, for broader change in their companies in terms of extent and also speed. And they're doing this in a number of ways, from thinking about the business model, disruptions, changes that they can uh, push through, extent of distribution change, extent of cost innovation. Second, I would say there's a change in the CEO role on focusing more on to be versus to do. People are focusing on what it means to be an emotional leader in an organization where people need many more things from them and different things than they might have needed before. One CEO that I work a lot with once said, I feel like my role is more ministerial right now, that I actually have an obligation to my people in a different way than I might have had before. Third, I think CEOs are much more open to a broader notion of stakeholder capitalism to thinking about multiple groups, employees, government, suppliers, um, obviously shareholders, boards. And I think that that is changing the way they think about their obligations to customers and to the broader society. And then fourth, I would say CEOs are spending more time with each other and they're spending more time with each other across industry boundaries. They're looking for analogies that are more interesting. They're looking for CEOs that are in the seat now that are actually making changes in COVID across industries and they're, they're comparing notes much more. We think the cycle time on CEOs spending time with CEOs is up 3x. A couple examples of insurance CEOs that are learning from other categories that I'm seeing include learning from pharma on analytics and also on distribution and from high tech around distribution and also aspects of agile. Stefan, what are you seeing? The insurance industry overall has done remarkably well in in the current crisis. There's a lot of uh, companies have been able to switch very quickly to this uh, remote setting, um, reacted to the lockdown, being able to reconnect with customers. Um, there are some companies that have even seen an increase in sales. So um, I think overall the industry uh, has reacted very well. And obviously CEOs leading this um, have done a very good job. We are in a crisis and we're heading into a deeper economic crisis um, as we speak, as, as, even as lockdowns are easing. The recession is, is only beginning. It's an opportunity for great leadership. I think this will be very important because in a way this uh, crisis is um, not just an economic crisis, it's also coming with changed operating models, changed consumer behaviors, acceleration of many trends that we've seen before. And, and therefore the speed of change will be very vital and, and, and the sort of transformations that many of insurance companies have been on before are suddenly accelerated. CEOs see things that they thought they would have like five or maybe 10 years time for uh, are happening now in two years. And and that's an enormously difficult act for these large organizations um, to do. So I think it's an enormous opportunity and need for very strong leadership to help their organizations get through these uh, crisis situations and and, and be successful in, in, in a rapidly changing environment. Brad, how have CEOs altered how they're engaging with the organization in your view? Yeah, I think it's quite interesting as we've talked to CEOs, how they uh, they see their role 
changing and uh, what's worked and what hasn't worked uh, during this pandemic. A number of CEOs we talked to say they actually feel better connected to their organizations today than they did prior to the pandemic. I think that has a lot to do with just the ease with which they're able to communicate with employees. One CEO mentioned that, you know, it used to be that he'd have to travel to a location and it would be a big event and a big production when he'd arrive. Now he can just schedule frequent Zoom calls with his various locations uh, and he can do it much more informally and much more easily and more quickly and with higher frequency. Another CEO mentioned that uh, she's able to do skip levels much more easily. I think this ability to kind of really connect with multiple levels of the organization and um, understand what's going on and feel the pulse of the organization has been surprisingly good, if not better, in this environment than it was in the prior environment. That's one big change that, that we've noticed around the role of the CEO and what they're able to do in engaging with the organization. We've talked to numerous CEOs who say um, they're really going to rethink their travel schedule uh, coming out of this pandemic. I think they've been surprised by how well, how well they can communicate and talk to the broader organization remotely. And they've been amazed at how much time has been freed up in their diary from not living on a plane and living in airports. You're never going to fully replace the need to be face-to-face -face and that personal connection that's created in that way. Uh, but I think you're going to see uh, many CEOs um, opt for less travel and more remote interactions with their employees. Let's move on. We've had a number of conversations with executives about the second topic, how insurers are using the pandemic to rethink their operating model. I think one of the main things that insurers can do is to think about digital in multiple forms, digital acceleration in multiple forms. This is playing out with a number of uh, firms leaning forward and leaning into core tech. They're pulling forward many of their investments on the technology side. I've seen things in the four-year roadmap that are happening in year one now. I've also seen a lot more focus around agile development in different forms, uh, new ways of working and formal programs that are not just in the IT area, but are beyond uh, technology and for the whole workforce and digitally infused for the first time. As Brad and Stefan share, the emphasis on remote working and the new possibilities it affords are already being embraced by insurers in Europe and Asia. Insurance has historically been a very relationship-oriented business. Um, relationships amongst employees have been quite important. You think about um, the role of, uh, of underwriters and underwriting teams or claims teams, relationships with, uh, with distribution partners, interactions between underwriters, product folks, executives and brokers and agents and bank partners. Relationships have always been a big part of, of insurance. And um, we think that's going to continue but insurers are, are finding that they're able to maintain and build those relationships um, in new ways. A lot more of this relationship maintenance is going to be proven to be able to happen, happen remotely. So we're going to see less travel amongst many of the field employees. I think a second thing is we're going to see some element of remote work really infused into the operating model of almost all insurers. I don't think all employees are going to go all remote. That's never going to happen. And frankly, we even think most employees are not going to go all remote. But there's a real opportunity for many employees to spend part of their weeks working from home. And what we've heard from employees and from management teams 
is that this flexibility um, is hugely helpful for employees as they look to manage their lives. And it really has a neutral, if not positive, impact on productivity. So insurance companies are going to be willing, we think, um, to accept and embrace this going forward. Another point around insurers' operating models is the embrace of Agile across the enterprise. Companies have really been forced to adopt flatter organizations and faster decision-making during this pandemic. I think they've been really pleasantly surprised at how well they've been able to shift in that sort of an environment. Many executives have told us just they've really been impressed by how quickly their organization has been able to gather the relevant facts, get the right people together from across the organization, and make decisions and move. And this is what Enterprise Agile is all about. We've seen increasing interest amongst insurance carriers around um, how do I make these benefits stick and how do I expand them to a broader set of the organization? Uh, and we believe Agile is really the way to do that. So we're, we're seeing a real increase in emphasis around rethinking the organization and how it works to continue and build upon these benefits uh, that have happened as a circumstance of the pandemic. The operating model uh, obviously has changed overnight, right? If suddenly there's a lockdown and, and employees can't come to work anymore, customers are not seeing our agents or not coming to banks, so this is, distribution was disrupted, and you know obviously the normal working um, models were disrupted. So that changed very quickly, and and insurance companies did react very well to it. Insurance is a little less intense in terms of sort of constant interactions uh, with customers, but it's, it's happening too. The first big opportunity here, to, to put it positively, is to create a different way of interacting with customers. And, and that then flows all the way through the organization, right? If you have more digital interaction at the front end that requires simpler products, simpler processes, and that's addressing a huge cost pressure that's already been there before COVID and, and is only getting worse now because interest rates are even lower, margins are lower, there's more price competition. The third topic is how insurers are reimagining distribution and new product development across life and PNC. One of the areas of greatest innovation is in fact distribution. Around remote wholesaling, remote advisory, opening up new channels, and digitally enabling sales forces. In North America, a lot of firms are looking at core distribution strategy and how that's going to evolve. On the product development side, there is also a lot of innovation, particularly on the life and annuity and retirement side, and particularly in product categories where the low interest rate environment makes many of the current products unprofitable. Insurers are thinking about the different ways in which they can construct these product portfolios to account for low interest rates. The market dynamics and shaping factors differ by region, putting pressure on distribution. Stefan, how has distribution in the EU market been shaped? Some of the polls we did was always asking in which area of the value chain or which part of the business do you expect the biggest impact? The consistent answer has always been in distribution. And when we asked, is a more people switching channels to direct or is it people just wanting to interact more digitally in a hybrid way within current channels? The answer is always all of that, right? So there's massive change that everyone is expecting. There will be a strengthening of direct channels, but there will also be a change within channels through agents, through banks, and how customers interact with insurance. 
In bank insurance, that's very obvious, right? Because as bank branches close, and in Europe, I think 50% of branches at some point were closed, and, and it's very unclear how many are going to reopen again as, as customers are, re, are quite comfortable uh, using digital channels. And, and banks are being under big cost pressure as well. So bank insurance model in most places has relied on customers physically getting into a branch and then being addressed by a bank employee in person. Now, obviously, this model can't work anymore. Um, similarly with agents, a lot of people don't want to use public transport because they still see there's a health risk. I mean, the insurance agent in your living room, you know, for most people, that's not a really high priority. So I think we will be in an environment where these face-to-face -face channels will be continuously disrupted because people want to interact more remotely. In this crisis, people also realize the importance of reliable information. So we see the value of brands is increasing again. Brand suddenly matters. And an insurance business is a business of trust. It's about long-term savings and it's about uh, paying money to someone expecting to get something back when the crisis hits. And, and therefore, advice uh, will remain very important. It's just a question how it's delivered. And for distribution, that, you know, for agents, for brokers, that's a massive change. How they acquire customers, how they service customers, and how they advise customers. And we can see some insurance companies that have brokers and agencies and financial advisors that are young and, and more used uh, to technology, they switch very quickly. I was talking to uh, one CEO um, the other day and was saying in life insurance, actually my business is up 80% new business. But I talked to someone else who said, I'm down the same amount. And, and that second CEO was working more with an agency force that's much older, uh, where people have a much harder time getting used technology. And, and so, Again, the transition um, will, will be quite uh, important, and, and it's a huge challenge to manage that. Thanks, Stefan. Very interesting. Brad, what adjustments are, are insurers making in Asia, in your view? Insurers have been forced to uh, really rethink how they interact with their customers. Here in Asia, for example, there's millions of insurance agents around the region. They haven't been able to meet with their customers in person. That's what they're used to doing in order to understand customer needs and really talk about the benefits of insurance. Here in Asia, you know, a lot of insurance is sold through banks. Um, and what we've seen is over a 30% reduction in the number of visits to bank branches uh, that have been happening here in the region. And all of our surveys indicate that that reduction is gonna continue even post pandemic. Coming out of uh, the pandemic, product innovation is going to be a big priority for the insurance industry as well. I don't think any of us um, who've spent a long time in the industry um, would say that product innovation has historically been a strength of the industry. It's something that really has been driven more from a financial and an actuarial standpoint and influenced by the needs of distribution. What we're seeing is uh, many carriers are now starting to think about um, how do we flip that a bit? And how do we make our product development really driven by the emerging needs of customers um, and getting much more systematic about um, embedding customer insight into product innovation? The other thing that we're encouraging carriers to do is really look at how digital companies manage their products. Um, they have a very sophisticated approach which leverages a product manager who's really a mini CEO for that product. product. 
It leverages um, agile product development squads that are cross-functional teams that come together from across the business to really own and develop a product. And it leverages kind of fast iteration cycles and rapid improvement uh, to try and um, really move the needle on how do we get at customer needs and get ahead of customer needs and roll those out um, much more quickly than our competition. The fourth topic is talent, diversity, and inclusion. How can insurers make progress during this pandemic and accelerate their strategies? This is a great time for insurance companies on talent and inclusion. If people know what they're doing, they can be even more aspirational than they might have been before the pandemic. What do I mean by that? I'd say three or four things. One is companies are beginning to really think about diversity as a broader church than maybe they were before. Most had a focused effort maybe in one area or another. Now I think people are thinking about gender, they're thinking about ethnic diversity, they're thinking about other kinds of diversity, and they're putting it together in a broader church. I like to say sometimes they're putting diversity in their diversity program. The second is around the core qualities that we want to see exemplified in the culture of our organizations themselves, around openness, around some notion of equality and fairness, around some exploration of what it means to belong. There's much more thoughtfulness and reflectiveness going on in companies around those qualities. Third, there's an explosion of interest in and strategies around recruiting. I'm not as physically rooted as I once was. I can really think about broadening the addressable market of talent, and that can be quite substantial. Digital talent is really at an opportune time for acquisition. We know that insurers have less digital talent than others. We know fintechs are laying people off. There's a real golden opportunity for insurers to attract some talent that may have been living in the fintech world or even in the big tech world into their business models now um, if they're aggressive and aspirational about talent and diversity in this environment. Stefan, how has remote working created new possibilities? So the insurance industry traditionally has not been a place of abundant talent. That's been the case for a very long time. It's a very stable industry. You know, it, it, it's a very efficiency-driven uh, industry. Innovation has not been um, a big theme for insurance historically. And therefore, you know, there's been a bit of a talent shortage for decades. I mean, you go to the top schools anywhere in the world, the number of people that mention they want to go to insurance is, is, you know, is coming quite low in the list. Even before COVID, we were talking about how do we use technology better? You know, how do we attract a different kind of talent um, people with digital experience, with uh, very different skills. How do we learn more about what real customer needs are, not just listening to intermediaries, but really understanding who are our customers? How do we think about their needs and, and translating that into products and services? I think it's a great opportunity because in this uh, remote environment, you know, A, you can suddenly tap into talent pools that are not at your doorstep because you know, if you said in, in somewhere in Germany and, and all the digital talent is in Berlin, there's no reason why you wouldn't be able to work with these people now. Um, because if half of your people are joining meetings remotely anyways, because they work from home, but they work, they work from home in Berlin or even, you know, in, in different countries. It makes no difference. As these workplaces and work environments use technology a lot more, that's also what the younger generation is looking for. With a much more technology-driven model, with more professional lead generation, this could attract a very different type of talent. So I think it's, there's a great opportunity here in, in using some of these new setups to rethink the talent strategy. 
Brad, let's talk about the connection now between work and talent strategy. Talent diversity includes the big opportunity for the insurance industry. And it's something, if we're honest, I think we would say we haven't made a lot of headway over the past many years. Coming out of this crisis, it, it creates a real opportunity on, on a couple of fronts. First of all, you know, I think the uh, embracing of more remote work is going to offer an opportunity to access much more diverse talent pools. And this should help with uh, being able to um, attract really deep technical talent, right? engineering talent, for example. Every carrier that I've talked to says they, they don't have enough technical engineers, software engineers, and they really want to figure out how do we attract this talent. I think flexible working arrangements and remote working will enable carriers to tap into a broader set of this talent. I think that that's one piece. The second piece around that is um, I also think you know what we've seen is that um, the ability to work remotely and even the ability to um, support part-time work helps a lot with um, diversity and inclusion. Uh, particularly, we've heard through all of the surveys um, that your ability to attract and retain women, for example, is much higher if you can offer flexible working arrangements. And um, as companies embrace this, we think this offers the opportunity to really tap into a much more diverse uh, workforce instead of potential employees, to keep them engaged and to be flexible for them throughout their life, uh, different life stages so that they can stay engaged with the company and continue to contribute in whatever way works with their own personal lives. One other thing I think is important to acknowledge is diversity matters for economics and for performance. It may be something incredibly important also for societal betterment, for the moral and right thing to do in our societies and companies, but it's also very, very valuable economically. We have looked at this in terms of gender, and we've seen an advantage in, in profitability terms for top quartile companies on a, a gender diversity versus bottom quartile that's quite substantial. The last topic is ESG, which has become a growing area of focus for insurers, as many people know. Clearly, the importance of climate change is making the E in ESG move considerably. A number of people are taking the position that client risk is, in fact, investment risk. This affects insurers in a number of ways. The role of insurance companies within society is about creating an ability for people to take risks, of course, for companies to take risk, and that's going to be heavily affected by the risks associated with climate change valuations, and how quickly those valuations move across different industries and different parts of sectors. There's also a big push in S right now as part of ESG. It's important to realize that companies that have thoughtful sustainability strategies will benefit in multiple other ways. We have evidence that more sustainable companies will achieve higher top-line growth and also have a lower cost position. Employees, especially the next generation talent and millennials, are going to care a lot about the sustainability strategies of their companies. Regulatory relationships and the way that those actually progress with governments will also be very important. As Brad and Stefan note, the pandemic has shifted the discussion of ESG to include questions about the industry's ultimate purpose. ESG is, is clearly an important uh, issue for the industry. And in particular, we're seeing a, a large increase in the amount of energy and excitement and impetus around this idea of purpose uh, in the company. This is something that's being driven from the top, the bottom, and the middle. Employees are really demanding, you know, what's our purpose? What are, what are we here for? And how can we connect with that on an emotional level 
to really excite us about our work. Particularly during crises, insurance is really meant to be a stabilizer, a stabilizing force or a cushion for segments of society. That's a quite noble purpose. What we're seeing in the industry is we're seeing people say, in the immediate term, how do we make sure we're delivering on that purpose? How do we make sure that we are the right cushion and a sustainable cushion for society during a crisis like a pandemic? Um, now, to be honest, insurance wasn't designed for a pandemic, but the industry really has responded as a kind of cushion in various places to support people in times of need. And then longer term, I think carriers are rethinking what is their purpose and, uh, and how do we make sure that it delivers on multiple dimensions? How does it deliver on the environmental dimension? How does it de deliver on the social dimension? And we see many carriers making real investments and commitments to um, be tangible and practical about the difference they want to make and committing to their employees and committing to the outside world around this. Insurance is an industry that's hundreds of years old. And many companies have a history of 100 years, 150 years, or even more. And it's always been very clear, most insurance companies emerged out of a sense of community and, and people taking care of each other. There's always been a very important social function. People buy insurance because the individual couldn't bear the risk and, and they need a broader community to carry them. And that's always been the core belief and core function of the purpose of insurance, right? You, you create safety for people for long-term savings and when they go into retirement, their savings are there. Safety that when the house burns down or, or assets get damaged, there's someone there and, and put their livelihood together again. I think what we've seen in the current crisis, there is a feeling that somehow in some parts at least, that insurance promise has been eroded. There's been this whole discussion about business interruption, pandemic is excluded. There's very good reasons, you know, to exclude it because you say that's a risk we can't take. But, you know, probably not every customer was fully aware of that and people didn't think about it. Um, so this has been ignored in a way and, and it's coming back to bite us. And, and, and that erosion of confidence and trust in, in, in this purpose of the insurance industry, I think is a very big topic that, that got to be addressed. Many insurance companies are now stepping back and rethinking this, you know, how can we, you know, provide this promise and, and, and deliver this promise? And it's not easy. It'll probably require public partnerships um, with governments, government backstops in some areas to, to be able to manage some of these risks, like we've seen in, in other areas like, like uh, natural catastrophes, earthquakes, or, or terrorism. So I think there's a much broader theme beyond ESG on, on, on purpose and, and the value of, of the industry and society. And I think that's a very important debate that the industry needs to shape this narrative and engage on. On behalf of Stefan, Brad, and all my colleagues in the insurance practice, I want to thank you for listening today. We find that insurance executives have the desire to learn much more and at a much faster rate now due to COVID-19. They're talking to peers and they're learning across industries. This is happening with CEOs as we recently published in McKinsey Quarterly, but it's also happening across all senior roles in insurance in our experience. For example, we've had a number of long-standing roundtables with COOs, a separate one for chief claims officers, another one for the heads of technology, etc. These have been going on for more than 10 years. They are normally annual, but members are now asking us to meet quarterly. In that spirit, and with regard to this unique environment, 
we plan to convene on a regular basis to share insights from our conversations with senior executives. So we do hope you'll join us next time. Thanks so much.